You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. They made a new discovery. Now that new discovery um, with, you know, intersections like 17 meters at 10 grams, it didn't, the stock didn't move. There was no halt. Maybe that maybe there could have been a halt, but it was on December 23rd, right in the middle of the holidays, even bigger holidays in Australia. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Like if, if, if that same news came out right now, I'm 100% sure the stock would have moved 30%, even in this market. So to me, that's an opportunity because, you know, it just, bad timing. It didn't change anything about the discovery or the deposit. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Thank you for tuning in. And we're touching base with my friend, Nick Germain, also known as the Mining Book Guy on Twitter, CEO.ca. And he has a website also, which I encourage you to go to and sign up for his email list, miningbookguy.com. Now, Nick, it's been two years since we spoke. We, uh, interviewed in person at PDAC via a roundtable two years ago already, prior to when the pandemic lockdowns and everything began to occur. So it's great to touch base with you. You've been on kind of a media hiatus, it seems, since then. But thanks for coming back on my show. You are one of the content producers that uh, I looked to before I started my show in December 2016. Uh, You were publishing back in December 2015. And when I was trying to learn about uh, investing in mining stocks, I remember watching some of your early videos. So thanks for coming on the show again. Oh, that's, that's a really kind introduction, Bill. And, and it's great to be back after, I guess, yeah, a couple of years now. <laughs> so you like to come up with your own ideas. That's one of the things I like about your approach. You're an independent thinker. You like to find and own your ideas, and then you share it with others as you uncover these potential gems. And so you listen to my interview with Mark Zaret, who I interviewed late last year, and he's like you. He's independent, investing his own money, doing a lot of research, trying to find shell companies that could be worth something. Uh, Just introduce to my audience or reintroduce to my audience your approach of how you go about finding quality junior miners, please. Oh, yes, Bill. So um, thanks so much for doing that interview with Mark. Honestly, probably my favorite interview anywhere of last year. I watched it five times. I watched it a fifth time just to prepare for this interview uh, because for whatever reason, I got interested in shell companies last year after being in this industry for seven or eight years. And if I had an interview like that Mark Zaret interview uh, years ago, I probably would have jumped in sooner. And I and I feel like I've missed out, but I also feel it's a great time for others to potentially enter as well. There was a lot of positive feedback to that interview. And so I'm hopeful that people who watch this interview, either they've seen that and they enjoyed it and they wanted an addition, or or maybe they'll check, check that out after, after this interview. But there was a company he mentioned, and I think this is a good way to start out in terms of what I'm spending a lot of time doing in terms of shell research, he mentioned a company called Thumper Resources, it has a cute little name, and it it represents exactly what I would like to look for today. And so when I saw that interview, one of the first things I thought was, oh, I should look this up. And, and Mark had mentioned Stockwatch. I only started using Stockwatch uh, last year to do specifically to do this shell research. One thing um, that might be a helpful tip. I spend $5 a month on my Stockwatch interview to basically, sorry, a subscription to basically um, do a lot of the things that Mark said. I think Mark had said um, he he spent uh, a lot more. So it's just to let you know, I, I think a lot of the really good features that, that he talked about, you can spend $5 a month on it. 
And when I looked into Thumper, you know, I, I, I type in Thumper resources to their database. Um, then I find what the old ticker was, TMP. And then I, I look at TMP in the 1990s and I realize, oh, this company listed, I think, in 90 or 91. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of failed a little bit with their initial drilling. And then there was an announcement of a, a rollback and an expectation of a name change. And this is really interesting because that's the type of catalyst you want to look for, or I, I want to look for in, in today's stocks as well. I also find it interesting that that is in the Stockwatch database, despite being pre-internet or basically pre-internet. So that's an, that is an advantage to us today that Mark had mentioned that he didn't have, though I do think it's really cool that he would get a hard copy every week and um, and basically look at every single company. I mean, that's that is really neat. And, and I'm sure that was a real rarity. But even even today, for someone to go through Stockwatch and look in the history, that it's a little bit of the equivalent. And I think that's if that's something that interests you, um, you know, consider doing it the same way as I'm describing right now. And so I caught this on my last um, uh, listen of the interview. I think Mark had already started buying shares quietly in Thumper uh, because of a, a, a press release that some of the shells were talking about. We want to be opt opportunistic and look for uh, new companies or sorry, new projects to come with, combine with our company. Those are really rare to see. I don't see any press releases like that today. And so, it, so if what what I would go through is the MDNA and some MDNAs they really talk about. Um, sorry, that's management discussion and analysis, and you can find it on Sadar, but you can more easily find it um, in, in Stockwatch. And when you go through that, um, you'll you'll see if the company says literally nothing, like they're they're just not looking for anything. Sometimes they'll even say a lot of negativity. We don't have even enough money to look for a new project. We don't we don't we don't know what we're doing. But a lot of times they'll say we are very actively looking. And I think here's one big import, um, important difference uh, for what I look for now compared to the opportunities, more, what might've been more opportunities that Mark had at the time were cashed up shells. I have found a few cashed up ones, but this has been a huge change in my thinking. You don't need, sometimes it's even better if they don't have cash be, um, because they, they're, 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 they say they're actively pursuing, but they're funding it through debt, through, through loans that are provided by the current management. And so over and over again, I have found successful shells that have negative working capital that uh, get halted, do a transaction, and then re-rate because they combine, they, they basically are RTO'd into a private company that already has the cash. So that might might or might not be a new thing, but I think that's a really important point. Don't dismiss a company just because it has no cash or negative working capital. Um, but but it is great if you find um, a, a company that is that is fully cashed up. I, I'm not sure where Thumper was at that time, but uh, as Mark said, it was kind of funny. Like it was already at 2.4 or, or maybe it was 2 million shares and they were doing a three to one rollback. So they're going down to 800,000 shares. I mean, that's like that is pretty much unheard of. But I, I am finding shells these days that are anywhere from two to five million shares or 10 million. And, and I do think the less amount of shares out there, um, the the uh, more valuable it is for you to be able to pick up um, shares in the company. It's kind of you feel really good because they're so scarce. And so and this is in the open market to clarify, right, Nick, yeah, in the yes, open yes. market. 
No, thank you, Bill. And and, and I, I really want to emphasize that um, even though a lot of people can participate in private placements for these shells, I think the most fun I'm having and, and the biggest opportunity is to quietly accumulate on the open market um, and, and perhaps over a few years. And I think Mark made that very clear. You, you need to be patient in this game. So specifically with Thumper, even if you weren't accumulating before the rollback and the name change, there was still another six month window or so to accumulate after that around the same price. And I, I found all of this data through Stockwatch, assuming it's the correct data. And I think it is because Stockwatch, for whatever reason, has done a really good job of keeping the history going back to the 90s or even the 1980s. And so um, 1992, December 23rd, 1992 was when the rollback was first announced. And I think you had until May 13th, 1993, until there was, was an official halt um, for a few months. And then Eric Kipa was, was the RTO'd company. And once it was unhalted, there was um, a, an immediate re-rate because there was a placement at a higher level. And so just to give you an idea, the, the, the way this works is very similar to what I try to do today. Uh, the, um, the trading range on Thumper Resources at that time was about six cents to 15 cents Canadian um, for that, that six month window. And, and even a few months before that, you, you could trade some shares as well. I think on average, there were maybe three days a month that shares traded. And there were a few months where, where no shares traded at all. But over that time frame of six months, and if we even include um, a little bit of time before the rollback was announced, maybe 10 to 15% of the, the overall float had traded. So if you were the only person trying to accumulate quietly over this time, maybe you could have accumulated 5% of the company or 10% of the company. And it sounds like a lot, but it's not all that much money for a company that's trading at $500,000 market cap or, or even a little bit less. And that is really neat because um, that is, uh, as, as Mark said, you're, you're very unlikely for the stock to go much lower. I think the biggest risk is that it could take a year or two years or three years for that transaction to happen. So in, in this case, this, this was an ideal situation. You had enough time to accumulate over maybe a six month or a nine month period. Um, and, and then a, a really good transaction happened. But a lot of times um, things can go wrong and your money can just kind of be stuck in some of these shells. And so again, patience is, is the name of the game. Um, just to add a few other points though, you know, if, if you accumulated from six to, to 15 cents or so, I think the placement was at 25 cents. And then when the rollback happened, that would mean the placement equivalent was 75 cents and your, your accumulation was, uh, you know, 18 cents to 45 cents. So, so you would have done better than anyone who was in the placement. Um, it, it immediately traded well above that placement, um, you know, uh, at, 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 so post rollback, uh, up to 80 cents right away. I think it went to $3. It went back to 50 cents and then it eventually went to $30, which Mark had mentioned. I think um, Mark probably, I think he said he, he got at least a 10 bagger. So maybe he sold out at three or $4. And that's the thing he could have sold even much sooner and gotten, you know, a fairly easy three or four bagger. And so again, I think about these shells. Um, it, you, you, it gives you the optionality of if you really like the project that you can continue with it. But I've personally become more open um, to even non-mining opportunities because sometimes these, these shells, they just find whatever, whatever is the best project at the time. So, so I still, I, st I do like mining like the, the most right now, but, uh, but I think, you know, it's possible when Mark was accumulating Thumper, he didn't really know what was going to happen. But, but just as 
I think in terms of the opportunity to hold longer, even though Arequipa did work out, um, it took three or four years. But what was interesting, it was an acquisition in Peru. And at that time, Peru was a very risky place in 1993. And it just got better and better as the 90s went along. So there's, you know, it, 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 again, you, you could you could sell some of your shares like right after the um, the initial acquisition. But you and then you could hold on for the ride if you actually liked that company. And, and for me, that's that's the fun of this is to kind of start the adventure um, on these little shells, do the best you can to try to keep Accumulate, um, you know, a, a few percent uh, interest in the initial shell. The RTO happens. You probably get a two or three bagger. If, if you're lucky, you, you already get two, three bagger. And then you decide, oh, do I want to stick along for the ride? And um, and it it's it's such there's so much uncertainty involved. But um, if you if you enjoy the uncertainty of you know who's the new management that comes in, um, is is uh, is there going to be a new investor that that supercharges it? Um, is is it going to move up even though no one else knows about it? And sometimes that's that's a really good opportunity to stay in. If you know it's already moving and no retail guys are talking about it, to me that's that's even more exciting because eventually um, they'll probably will do a promotion. So um, yeah, I guess I'm rambling a little bit. Hey Nick, I, I, Nick, I, I have answer. I have a yeah. question. So sure. um, when you do your initial screening and and you come up with a, a shell company or a functional shell. What are the next steps? Could you talk us through a little more in depth? I'm, I'm assuming you're picking up the phone, of course, and you're trying to get into the mindset of management, right? Uh, so that's a great question, Bill, because I historically have always liked to call companies um, early on to know what's what's going on. That actually is not a priority with these shells. And I should add um, something that is a is a in my toolkit and maybe for the listeners could be a value, which I, I know very, I, actually, I don't know anyone who does it the way I do it because I've developed it myself. I, I have a watch list just for shells on CEO.ca. So I don't use stock watch as much for following today's day-to-day action. I, I use it more historically and I use CEO.ca a little bit historically, but very much so for today. I I actually I went through um, my numbers. I have 231 shells just on my shell list on CEO.ca. That is not including all of the dis- post discoveries or, or companies that are like really drilling. And and that list is not all the shells in the world. It's just any shell that I had an inkling of interest, something that was worthy of putting on that list. And um, and so a lot of times. I, I'll I'll look through the participants. Um, you know who are there investors or directors in the company that I can find on Stockwatch. Mark had mentioned that in in um, in his interview. I will also try to follow the trading um, as closely as I can without going. You know, being kind of uh, it, it would take too much time to go through company by company. But I just scan the list throughout the day. And what's funny on CEO.ca, there's a little lightning bolt that shows up when trading is um, extraordinary compared to previous trading. It's funny with these shells where um, a lightning bolt might show up on one of these shells because it hasn't traded in a month and a hundred shares traded at five cents for the first <laughs> time in a month. And so, you know, that's not, obviously that's not very significant monetary wise, but it's of interest. Just when you start seeing some accumulation or just a big move, it means maybe something's happening. And so maybe I'll look into it deeper, but I will not necessarily talk to the company to get back to your original question um, because a lot of these shells are being prepared by insiders and 
they might they, they might see it as a negative for me to talk to them so early. I, I, I think there's actually a positive to quietly accumulate, not necessarily let them know what's going on. They might they they they, they might not be um, they might think that you have an ulterior motive um, as this independent investor um you know, doing something so, so early. That's, that's, um, that's not always the case. I do sometimes call them, but I feel that in this particular case, you, you need to be comfortable with the uncertainty around, you know, what the project may be. They might not want you to know at all um, be, because it's, it's material information, but, um, but there are, there are many instances already where I feel I've I've gotten enough data from CEO.ca and from Stockwatch from doing that research without calling them where it was actually a better idea not to call and and to to just use all these tools that that are available online. That's a very interesting perspective, Nick, that you that you wouldn't reach out to the CEO. That was not the answer that I expected, but I'm sure you're watching insider buying, right? If you're as you're watching the share action, insider buying is something you're monitoring closely. Oh, absolutely. And and um that's something I, you know, funny enough, years ago, I used to say insider buying was overrated. I, I mean, I feel completely differently now. So there's a lot of things that have changed. I, I do think um, for a post-discovery play, and there's lots of shares out, pe- people are a little, sometimes a little too obsessive about that. For these shells, it, it is absolutely critical. But interestingly, I, 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 I think Mark had said he uses Inc. Research, which I know is a well-respected, a paid foresight. CEO.ca, I think, provides pretty much the same thing in real time um, for free. And by the way, I, I'm completely independent from CEO and from um, from Stockwatch. I just like using both of them, but I'm I'm partial to CEO because I do pay a lot more money for their, their level two. Um, I think $86 US a month. I think you can pay it um, in Canadian or there's different tiers, but I pay a lot mostly um, for following the day-to-day uh, trading activity, even though some of these shells only trade um, a, a few times a month. So, um, sorry, I, I, I think I lost my train of thought on uh, maybe a part of that question. Yeah, just tracking insider, you answered it, tracking oh, insider yeah. um, owner, you know, as you're going to add to your position, are you going to say which one of these shells is going to move forward or possibly take off? You know, I would assume you're looking at insider trading, yes. which is which is what you said. And, and, and I think... Um, you can't always expect to get in cheaper than what the insiders get in, but uh, some sometimes insiders will accumulate a position in some of these shells, especially the, the zombie shells. There's one I'm thinking of in particular where you know it was a failed company, and um, and and sorry, I, I, I sometimes I don't want to share the names of some of the ones I'm I'm doing right now uh, because because I'm literally the only one on the bid. So so that's why Thumper is such a good example. But the way Thumper works is is similar to the ones today. Uh, it's just that uh, they may accumulate. Um, shares through a private transaction. Maybe it will be at a cheaper price from where things are trading, but that is an example of an insider activity where they didn't buy on the market because it's so illiquid. So the way that people, um, you know, accumulate a position is different. Sometimes there's debt settlements and that can be a catalyst and not to go too much on a tangent, but sometimes you'll see a debt settlement at a certain price. And that means whoever's doing that debt settlement, they're, they're converting to equity. 
And it, it not only does it mean that they've they've put in they've they've uh, taken shares for real money. It, it can be abused, but it's it still means that they want the equity to go up from wherever that debt settlement price is. And it also probably means that there's going to be other interesting news not too far behind it. So that's just another example. Not exactly an insider buy, but it fits into it, and it's something I monitor. So Nick, last year in 2021. Uh, what did you learn? Like, what are some of the key things you learned last year? You've been speculating, I think, for eight years, is it? You've been- uh, Yeah, about eight years. Eight years. Okay. So what'd you learn last year? I, I, I wish I could be uh, more exciting with my answer, but I learned patience. And and I can't, I can't emphasize it enough. I mean, Mark said it in his interview. I actually guess don't hear it across the board, but I think from a lot of people, I respect um, peers, um, or, or, or people like Mark, you can just kind of tell from their demeanor. I honestly think a lot of people are more, are more patient than myself. And I think, uh, this, it, it just takes so much time. It might be even harder to do in this environment where there's so many other ways to make money, you know, outside of junior mining, you see, get rich quick stuff all over the place. I, I think I've realized that whether it's a shell or it's a company that's um, you know kind of getting started having real drill programs. I, sh- I should have a time frame that's at least three years, four or five years. I think I I was trying to be patient, but I used to think one or two years was kind of enough. And and last year I think I really realized that. And another reason I realized it is I was so sure that M and A activity would pick up sooner. I know it's going to, and maybe maybe it will now. But there was a far less uh, mergers and ac- um, acquisitions last year than I expected. That might be COVID related too. Just there weren't enough conferences. The, the face-to-face is really important for, for a lot of companies to and, and the site visits, which were harder to do. But I think just being more patient across the board, realizing for the times I have made money quickly, that had way more to do with luck than just me realizing my timing was right. So can't emphasize enough patience. Maybe three years is still too short, but I would say three, three to a three to five year time frame on on so many things I look at. That was a big a, a big learning point last year. As you mentioned, you use CEO.ca to research. Uh, we didn't talk about Twitter, but there's also a financial mining community on Twitter. How have you, how have you, has it changed at all how you use these resources in your due diligence process over the years? Yeah, that good question, Bill. So Twitter um, wasn't, it didn't seem to be used as much for mining until three or four years ago. I, um, I, I initially was very excited about Twitter and I, I still think it's a really nice complimentary tool, but over time, um, for better or worse, you know, every, every site evolves uh, with Twitter. I, I think it's fair to say there's most tendency for like a cult of personality to develop around people who have had success or who are just really loud or, or good at marketing themselves, who don't necessarily have success. And that's, and that is not just a mining thing. This is a crypto thing, cannabis. I mean, any, anything hot that's, that's get rich quick. And the problem with that is that I think we turn off our critical brains. Like we just, we just start following someone who's hot and we want their next pick. And I've seen over and over again, you know, people um, have some really good picks and then they have a drought and then they might have some other good picks. Um, but all of, a lot of times the losers get forgotten 
But more importantly than that, people are just kind of craving to be fed some 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 new pick. Um, and and I I actually saw that I, I kind of felt that myself when I was using Twitter very actively in that way that, um, you know, maybe some people they just wanted my next pick. And I I really want to get away from that. But it's but it's tough because Twitter is a better platform, I think, to promote something that you really like and and to to, you know, go into threads and, and, and have people um kind of get on board. But I like CEO.ca, despite CEO having a lot of other issues, I, I think it's actually much harder for a new person to use CEO. Um, it is so great that there's all these company rooms and that all of these um, shells, they all have their own rooms. And, and I mean, these 231 shells I just talked about, I don't think any of them are talked about on Twitter. And I, and I see them on CEO and I can check every single room and many of them, not a single person has commented um, sometimes there's not even that much news. Sometimes more news shows up on Stockwatch. But the key is it's always interesting when there's either no talking or maybe someone I respect has um, has said something a year or two ago. Um, and, and that's all that there is. So it, it, it's kind of like, oh, you know, someone was, was paying attention to this um, way, way early. But maybe maybe now is the time it's interesting. And maybe this is a good opportunity just to give a shout out to um, Luke Tenhava, who I, I know has done an interview with you. I feel like he's kind of the new Mark Zaret. I, I mean, there's just so many plays that I've looked at on CEO that I felt like, oh, I think I discovered this on my own. And then I'm like, oh, Luke, Luke found this like a year or two ago, but like that was, that was a good thing. And so he, you know, what he's done on CEO, you know, anyone could follow what he's done. It's just finding all these shells and sharing a little bit. And there's one in particular, um, Ang Angus Gold, um, uh, that, that I think Dave Kranzler had mentioned in one of your previous interviews that that was one that he found really early. Um, I, I, I just wanted to mention it because for me researching that one from when it started in 2017 until now, it has done the successful transition. I mean, maybe it will do the Arequipa type thing, but, but that's a recent one. If I was going to mention one where, where I am a shareholder, um, of it, uh, but I wasn't in really, really early, but the researching of it from early shell to now, um, is a very good model that I'd like to find in in other in other places. So, Nick, are you more energized and excited about you know getting the getting into the shell, accumulating your position before the RTO or before the project acquisition, more so than like looking at the geo the geological prospectivity of an explorer and getting on board before they make the discovery? Like, how how, how does that approach you know what fuels you as a mining speculator? Good question, Bill. I, I hadn't really thought about that direct comparison. I I feel that maybe at the beginning of last year, I was starting to not enjoy the um, the exploration side as much because um, there maybe there just weren't as many new companies for me to look at. It, it is it is very exciting when it works out, but I felt like I kind of had my fill of the explorers. I, I knew kind of everything that I liked that was out there. And the sh in a weird way, I guess the shells have really kind of um, rejuvenated my excitement because there's so many of them and they're so hard to accumulate. There's more of a thrill when, when if you've been trying to accumulate for a month or two, you finally got a fill. And, and honestly, it could be like 10,000 shares at 10 cents or 15 cents. I mean, it's, it's it, for some people that's, that is a lot of money um, but compared to some of my um, other explorers in my portfolio, this is just a fraction compared to some of those, but it's actually more exciting to, to get that accumulation. And I, I think a lot of the shells that I will ultimately own, 
I don't expect the positions to be more than maybe five or $10,000, um, but they, they could grow a lot larger. But I think the level of excitement is disproportional to the size of the investment. So even though they're fairly small, it, I, I would say it's more thrilling um, to, to do that. It, I think it takes a very specific personality for that. I, I, maybe I shouldn't get as excited about it, but it's it's something I can do on my own. I think anyone who likes who really likes doing their own research, um, you you have a lot of benefits to be solo to kind of live in your own head. And I mean, there's a lot of these companies I haven't talked to to, to anyone, so it's it, it it might be also you know it's it's part of the times. Just it's harder to go to conferences. I really wanted to go to um, you know VRIC and MIF in Vancouver and to PDAC. Hopefully, I'll go to PDAC in June. But these shells. It, you, you, it's actually more fun to do this when you're not going to those places. Cause I don't want to tell people about, you know, like if someone asks me, Nick, what's your next pick? Um, I don't want to tell them about the five or 10 shells I'm accumulating. So I think that's part of it as well. It's, it's great to do on your own. So if you're focusing on the micro of, you know, finding a shell, are you still paying attention to the macro, the big picture trends that are going on in the sector? I, I, um, I, I would say in the sector more, more so than like, what the Fed is doing or just the gold price. I, I do follow that a bit, but I, I, I don't go too deeply. I do think on the macro side, M&A, as I mentioned, is very interesting. I mean, there's fewer and fewer quality gold projects, for instance, out there. And I think we're getting closer to that transition eventually of there'll be a flurry of buys for the advanced developers. And then, and then um, there's going to be more looking at those explorers, not necessarily early stage, but um, companies that are um, that, that that are more in that growth stage on the explorer side. And and Great Bear is an example of that because it got bought out by Kinross before they even had a maiden resource. But that that's um, I think we're getting closer to that, which I think is very exciting. And I also think it's great that um, that producers have so much cash. I, I was talking to a, to someone about this, and I think it's interesting that uh, maybe there will be a lot more cash buyout soon versus share buyouts, just because um, these producers have so much money and their share price is low, but they have a lot of cash. So I think that's an interesting trend, but um, I can't say there's anything that probably really stands out that's that's different. I mean, other people may have, may have kind of found the same, the same thing happening. Yeah. What's, what's your most contrarian investment right now? Um, if I, you know, if I think about it from a commodity perspective, I it might not be the best answer, but I think maybe it'll be useful. If I think about silver, I've never really been a silver bug or at least not in the mining space. And I think this might be helpful for people to think about. I really didn't like um, like the, the opposite in, in terms of like not being contrarian was when um, Reddit and the Wall Street bets crowd were trying to have silver piggyback on all of the GameStop and the AMC hype and crypto hype and all of that. And that I was just like, oh, this is anything but contrarian. Things have died down since then. But the next step, and this was a surprise, I wasn't following a Gatto Silver closely, but man, what a disaster that is. And that I think Tom Kaplan, a billionaire who's had a lot of success, has backed that. A lot of people got into that. There's, there's a lot of disgust in what's going on. And I, I think we're not at a bottom for silver, but I, that's the type of stuff I like to see going from the hype 
to these negative stories. And I've, I've started to, to accumulate some silver plays when I, when I haven't in the past. And I think maybe later this year, there's a chance that silver could be more um, at, at a bottom or finally for something that I would like where it's, it's always been hyped up more than gold, at least by the North American market. So I think looking for those signals and, and hopefully having people be more apathetic about silver later this year, to me, that's, that's the, the, the contrarian bet that I'm monitoring most closely. So as I mentioned at the outset, we haven't chatted publicly on this show in two years. So what's been the biggest winner in your portfolio over the past two years? Oh, yeah. So maybe this is part of the reason I, I pulled back a little bit. Uh, it was it was Chester Resources, um, which is CHC on the ASX. I, th- I think there's an OTC. No, I, I wouldn't even mention the OTC because I think it's too illiquid. So that stock is one that I had picked um uh, a while ago. And it, 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 I think we talked about it two years ago at, at PDAC and it was actually in a free fall at that time. Uh, in August of 2018, they made it, they halted, made a discovery. It tripled overnight. I had a massive position. I mean, I've never like had that much money, like instantly go into my account. I did not sell everything at that moment, but I sold a lot. And that, that was kind of a life-changing moment for me. And I think I, I kind of pulled back a little cause it felt a little weird. So I, 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 did, I definitely felt like I didn't want to do any interviews after that, but that was, um, that was a very exciting moment. Just, just, you know, what, what going through a halt and, and, and literally having a stop stock triple um, out of the halt. <laughs> so, and then are you still bullish on that company or what is your take now? You mentioned you took some money off the table. What are your current thoughts? Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about it a bit. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say that that is the most contrarian pl- play, but I guess in terms of size of my account, I, I do consider it a very exciting contrarian play, play right now because it's been such a roller coaster of a stock it was when I first like, you know, got really interested, they made an initial discovery. It was at 10 cents, uh, Aussie. It went as low as like four or four and a half cents at the depths of the market. They had to raise near the bottom. And then they made that discovery. It was halted at, um, at around 10 or 11 cents when as high as 32 cents. And now we're back at 10 cents. We're back at the level it was after an initial discovery, a really high grade resource and, you know, more discovery. So it's, it's interesting because I was not involved or I, I still own shares, but I own far less shares. And now, now I'm almost back to where I was um, when, that, when that discovery happened um, in, in uh, 2020. And if I was going to try to distill it into three points, you know, Chesser is a high grade uh, discovery near surface deposit in Senegal. In, in West Africa, there are many other deposits that probably look like it, but I personally consider it to be um, probably g- going to have one of the best scoping studies or PEAs because of the nature of the deposit. It's, it, it, it has you know three, four, five grams per ton close to surface with a really good geometry. Most of the high grade is actually closer to surface than at depth, which is different from a lot of other deposits. But right now, that maiden resource is 700 or 800,000 ounces. Now, there's a lot of other deposits in West Africa that happen to be like that. So on its own, I can't say that that would be enough to say this is a screaming buy. But number two, they made a new discovery. Now, that new discovery um, with you know, intersections like 17 meters at 10 grams, 
it didn't, the stock didn't move. There was no halt. Maybe that maybe there could have been a halt, but it was on December 23rd, right in the middle of the holidays, even bigger holidays in Australia. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Like if, if, if that same news came out right now, I'm 100% sure the stock would have moved 30%, even in this market. So to me, that's an opportunity because, you know, it just bad timing. It didn't change anything about the discovery or the deposit. So this discovery is on top of what is already there. And I think this deposit, it's on its way to a million plus ounces. And most of those ounces are going to be mined, which is also something to think about if you're newer to the sector, just because the deposit has 3 million, 4 million ounces, maybe none of it will be mined because it's not economics. The geometry, it's it's too deep. The, I think a very high portion of, the, of these ounces will be mined. So that that is point number two. Um, but number three, I think is the biggest. They They've made multiple discoveries next door to Barrick Gold, which is highlighting their discoveries in Senegal, which is true greenfields for them. And there is no other play in the world that Barrick has highlighted as much in their quarterly reports. And I just can't understand it. For two years now, Barrick, um, I've, I've been following Barrick updating on um, on their Senegal discoveries next door to Chester. Chester is the only junior next door to them. And it's just getting better and better. The last quarterly was, um, I mean, it, it, they had a full page devoted to it. And Barrick would only do this if they thought that this is an exciting new district that's going to have 10 million plus ounces. I mean, that's, that's what they need. So what that means um, is that either Barrick is going to ultimately buy Chester and it's going to be a, whether Chester has one, two or 5 million plus ounces, there's going to be a combination there or Barrick may give up, but they have done enough work. I'm, I'm hundred percent confident on this. There's going to be at least a few million ounces on Barrick's ground and either Chester will buy it or some other mid tier will buy both Chester and, and Barrick. And I can't emphasize enough. There's no other play in West Africa, let alone the world that Barrick is pushing as much as this. The market doesn't care. This is this is where, like, in terms of contrarian signal, I get so excited because I just keep buying as it goes down. Now, keep in mind, the same thing is happening right now as happened two years ago. I sent uh, alerts out to my invest or to my uh, my free email list saying oh, Chester is a buy. It's a buy, and it went down, and it went down, and it went down. But eventually, it tripled from that initial price that I that I that I recommended it. I think the same thing is kind of happening now because I first talked about it at 14 cents and I, I forgot to mention Sil Silvercore, um, a big, uh, fairly big Chinese company, Chinese based company listed in Canada and, and the US. They bought 5% of this or almost 6% of the shares on the market at 13 or 14 cents. So there's a strategic investment already that's been unacknowledged and they paid, you know, 30% more than where Chester's trading right now, right around 10 cents. And so, um, you know, there's, there's all these, these things in its favor. It's just, it's, it's an average down situation. So if you're like me, you don't care as much about the technical charts, but I could totally understand some people, they just don't want to buy because they think a capital raise is coming or they just think there's bad news. But all I see is good news and I just see the share price down. I think there's one big seller that's just about done. The, um, the, the highest volume day in the last three or four months happened on Friday, four and a half million shares. That's usually a sign to me. It's not, it's not necessarily enough for other people. But I'll just tell you, I, I'm almost out of money. Um, this, this has happened to me before, but mostly buying Chesser. And so I wouldn't come onto your program, Bill, and talk about this if I wasn't completely convicted. Because I, I make a lot of um, errors, but but I, I really want to talk about companies where I think it's a great buy. And, and it's it's a lot cheaper than anyone um, I've talked to on my email list. But of course, you know, if you're on my email list and you've already been buying, 
I'm just continuing to recommend it. There's 5 million um, cash in the coffers. They're going to have a scoping study. They're going to have follow-up drill results. And Barrick is going to have their, their Q4 2021 um, update on February 16th, I think next week. So there's three very interesting catalysts. And um, that's why I think it's the perfect time to consider it if you want a contrarian, you know, like really p- big potential story, but it's obviously not being treated as a big potential. It's um, it's about a 45, 50 million market cap. I think 10 cents, 450 or 460 million shares out. So there's there's a lot more to it, but uh, I think I'll leave it there because that was the- Okay. Well, Nick, thank you for, for that update. Um, best way for listeners to follow you and get access to your thinking when it comes to picks like Chesser. Um, so miningbookguy.com, easy way to sign up for my email. I apologize that the, it's just a splash page. I, I haven't really updated the website, but I'm not really actively looking for people too much. I, I think the way I research stuff, you know, I, I go into a lot of detail, but I don't get paid by these companies. I only send out an email every month or two. So you can try it out for free. If you, if you want to unsubscribe later, that's, that's fine. But, um, it's, you'll usually get a detailed video from me on companies like Chesser. Excellent. The website again is miningbookguide.com. Link is in the show notes below. I will also put links to Nick's profile on ceo.ca. I'd encourage you to follow him there as well as Twitter. Nick, thanks for coming on the show again. It was too long, but I appreciate you uh, coming on the show again. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Bill. It was was, was really fun. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.